Hey, I'm Jason Gray. Hey, this is Sarah Gross. Hey, I'm Andrew Osinga. Hi, this is Michael Carr. Hey, this is Andrew Peterson, and you're listening to Voices in My Head. And this is me, so let's have some exciting music. Who is me, you ask? Well, me is Rick Lee James, and this is my podcast, Voices in My Head. We've got a great show for you this week, so stay tuned. Welcome back to Voices in My Head. This is episode number 105, and this is part four of four workshops that I gave in Michigan at the Church of the Nazarene Team Day just a few weeks ago. And if you missed the last few uh, segments that we had, the first session was actually songwriting for the local church, and that was just a few podcasts back. And then we had a week where Paul Belosh joined us, so we didn't have a workshop. But then the week after Paul Belosh was with us, uh, we went into part two of the workshop, which was um, worship band workshop, which which is very much in line with the kind of things that Paul Belosh does uh, when he teaches. And then um, part three of the workshop last week was Style versus Substance in Worship. And this week is the final week, Out of the Depths, A Songwriter's Journey Through the Psalms, uh, where I walk us through the book. I do sort of a workshop on my journey that led me to writing my book, but I also take us on a journey through the Psalms. I use a little bit of music. I use um, some of the book uh, to share and describe what's going on. And I have some exciting news about the book, and uh, I just have several bits of exciting news, but I don't want to get too bogged down in this episode with this, so um, hopefully in the next couple weeks. Next week, we have Daniel Dye on the podcast, and uh, it's a it's a great show. We're going to be sharing some of his new album, talking all about that, and uh, he's a great guy. We recorded that earlier this week, so uh, there's lots of great podcasts. So let's say maybe just a few down the road, I'm going to be able to make some uh, pretty big announcements. So... Uh, uh, keep tuning in to Voices in My Head. Uh, thanks for being with us today. And uh, sometime soon after Daniel Dye's podcast, I think we're going to have the podcast uh, coming to you from Chicago. So uh, I'm pretty excited about that. But anyway, for today, here we are with part four of the workshops from Team Day at the Church of the Nazarene event in Michigan. And I hope you enjoy it. Out of the Depths, a songwriter's journey through the Psalms. Thank you for listening to Voices in My Head. God bless you. Well, here we go. Uh, what I'm going to do is pass a few books around um, just so you can take a look at them. And if you have any interest at all, these books are available on, um, let me just hand this to you. And a couple more, you can just take them and kind of pass them down the road. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, it's hard to reach. Here, I'll let you do the, the hard work of stretching back. Um, these books are available um, through Amazon and through Barnes & Noble, through all kinds of places. Uh, online, so it, if you use a, a mobile device or a Kindle or an iPad, things like that, you can actually uh, download the book as well. Um, so just if you go to Amazon or Barnes and Noble, any of those places, you can just look up my name or the title of the book, and it'll lead you there. Um, or you don't have to if you're not interested. That's fine. I just wanted to make it available to you. Um, let me tell you how this book came about and sort of this journey with the Psalms came about for me. Um, some of you will know this because you were in some earlier sessions, but I am a music pastor. I'm also a singer and a songwriter. I do a lot of traveling around making music. Um, I have several songs that have, uh, have been contracted with Lifeway Worship that will probably be coming out later in the year and, and early next year. 
Um, so some of your churches may be uh, seeing some of those songs and things. But um, I've been passionate about songwriting most of my life. And um, at one point, I, I don't know exactly what struck me, but a couple years ago, um, I just became really interested in the Psalms. I had always enjoyed the Psalms and the wisdom literature. I'd had classes in college on it. Um, I went to Trevecca Nazarene University, and Tim Green was the Old Testament prof there, still is, and uh, he just made the Psalms come alive. And uh, I remember having a writing assignment back then that we were supposed to write um, our own form of a psalm or a variation on the psalm. So because I'm a songwriter, I ended up writing a song um, from one of the psalms at that time. And I ended up including that as a bonus feature on the, the video that I'm doing uh, that I've released. But anyway, that's beside the point. From that time, probably the psalms had been in my mind and uh, had been a real part of my life. But one day, a couple years ago, I decided, you know what? If these things are supposed to be songs... Um, that the church was supposed to sing together, it might be useful as a songwriter for me to try to journey through some of these, you know, and try to take the journey as well myself and try to write an album. So I came up with this concept album, uh, being a singer-songwriter. I wanted to write an album that every song on it was written from the book of Psalms. And that was the initial idea of, of what I had. So... I first thought, well, I don't want to write 150 songs, you know. And if I was uh, Greek Orthodox, I'd have to write 151 songs, and that's, uh, that's even more because there's more psalms then. Um, so I, as I started studying, I realized, you know what, these are a couple different things. The psalms are the folk songs of the Bible. They're also poetry, and they're also prayers. And so as I looked at them and I realized there was five sections to the psalms, and uh, just in case you don't know this, this is for, for those of you nerdy enough to take notes today or whatever, smart enough to take notes. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm kidding. I just, I, I'm a nerd too. I always write things down. So, um, But the five sections of the psalm, in case you were wondering, the first section is Psalms 1 through 41. Um, and some of you are writing, so I'm going to wait for you. And book two of the Psalms is Psalms 42 through 72. Uh, book three of the Psalms is uh, 73 through 89. Book four is Psalm 90 through 106. And then um, book five is Psalm 107, uh, and it goes to the end at 150. 151 if you're Orthodox. So anyway... <laughs> Um, so I, I decided rather than writing 150 songs, I may eventually do that, you know, and get them all done, but for this one project, uh, for one thing, I don't know of any CDs that can hold that many songs, uh, that makes it very difficult, unless I did like, you know, 30 seconds a song or something like that. Um, so I decided to write two songs from each of the five sections, and that was sort of my basis in beginning there, and I kind of wanted to get an overview of what the psalms were. Um, so I started with the first psalm, I ended on Psalm 150, and then I tried to throw things in between that kind of thematically moved along. So that journey happened, and I ended up doing this album as a live album, as I told you about, uh, and it went over really well. I had a lot of people uh, come to the concert that night. We recorded it in a little theater in Clifton, Ohio, called the Clifton Opera House. And it's just one of those really great old theaters. It's probably one of the oldest buildings in Ohio. 
and it's still a working active theater and uh, they've put back some of the original seats that have been restored and things like that so it was a whole lot of fun to go in and uh, we mic'd everybody that was there so whenever we sang a song that was uh, more communal we actually got them on the recording singing it as well I was playing it a little bit whenever you came in uh, from what it was and, uh, and we had a really great time together it was just a lot of fun um, it was a lot of work for me. It's probably more work than any uh, of the other albums that I've done just because you have to do so much thought in advance and you have to do so much practicing because you can't really do an overdub because everything's live so you have to play it right the first time or else start over it. And um, the night went off. There was only a couple times we had to start over the tape, <laughs> anything like that. Um, but what came from that was I got done with the album and uh, started selling that and going and playing the, the basement psalms on tour. And I thought, you know, I did so much study into these psalms that there's only so much you can put into a two or three minute song, you know. <laughs> and there was so much information that I wanted to be able to share in so many ways that God had uh, moved in my heart through that process. So then came the idea of why don't I write a book that has these songs in it. So I took uh, several months and I wrote this book and then I started sending it out to a few friends and uh, and let them read it and kind of proofread it and get some editing done and stuff. And then I got done and I said, how cool would it be if I got some of my like favorite, you know, writers and people like that, see if they would read it and endorse it. So lo and behold, on the back of the book, you'll see, um, you guys know who Michael Card is? Um, the Christian singer, and he's an author himself. Uh, he endorsed my book for me uh, on the back. He read it and liked it, so I was like, thank you, God, that's awesome. And then I had a pastor um, and author named Brian Zahn, who is wonderful. He's one of my favorite authors. I asked him if he would uh, read it. Got a recommendation from him. It wrote inside the book. Another guy, Matt Litton, uh, Brett McCracken, who wrote a book called Hipster Christianity. And um, I, God just started doing all these really neat things. I, I was asking people to read it, and they were liking it and enjoying it. I was like, well, thanks, God. This has just turned into a really neat experience for me. So um, what I wanted to do today, after I tell you the setup of that, I'm going to share a few of the songs. Is that okay? And just yeah. kind of where I've gone. And I'm going to try to pick some of the songs that I feel like are a little more congregational on the album. They aren't, they aren't all what I would say... Uh, would be a congregational song. In the songwriting session that we had this morning, I talked about um, the difference between writing for your local church versus as you as an artist, you know, if you were just going to write and sing and play some stuff. So I'm going to try to play some stuff from the Psalms that kind of highlights a little bit of what's in the book, and we'll just kind of go from there, and um, we'll see how much time it takes, and if we run out of time, then we'll just quit. So, <laughs> all right? So, um I'm going to start with this one, which is probably going to be a verse you know uh, from the scripture. Oh Lord, oh Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And some of you heard a little bit of that this morning. So what I'm going to ask you to do, um, I usually like to, to break the crowd in half to sing along uh, with me, but um, I'm not sure if I'll do right and left or guy, girl, or how I want to do that today. But we'll, we'll get to it first. Let me teach you the chorus first, because I'd like you if you're willing to sing along with me, because the psalms were written to be sung by the people of God. Psalm 8 goes like this. Oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name, how majestic is your name, oh Lord, our Lord. 
good singing, you guys. Yeah, maybe this is the way to keep you awake is to have you sing. That's awesome. Thank you. Um, by the way, that song, um, if you are interested, you can get a lot of the sheet music for these songs for free on my website. So if you go to rickleyjames.com, there's a, a tab somewhere in there that says free sheet music. So feel free if you're interested in using any of that. Uh, you're more than welcome. Um, so where do I want to go from here? Let's see. Um, I did several uh, different songs. I, I started out writing about Psalm 1, and Psalm 1 is... A really great way to start the book. It's uh, <laughs> aside from it being a number, uh, number one. That's always a good place to start. Uh, it's interesting because you have this warning. Like you start out, it's almost like the writer of Psalm One, David, or the sons of Korah, or whoever it was that wrote Psalm One. Um, it's like they didn't know how to lead worship right. You know what I mean? Because everybody knows you're supposed to start off worship on an upbeat. Come on, everybody, let's praise. And he starts it off like. Beware, you know. <laughs> it's it's kind of like, oh, okay. Uh, beware the path of the wicked. Wicked. Beware the roads that they're going to lead you down, you know. And and he starts talking about the the righteous and those who keep their minds upon the things of God will be like trees that are planted by the water and they'll grow deep roots and um, their leaves will not wither on the ground and things like that. So it's kind of an interesting way if if you look at. Um, the Psalter, you know, the, the, the Psalms as a psalm book, um, it's kind of interesting that you would start your worship service that way. You know, most of us don't start out on Sunday morning with, okay, we're going to start with a song of warning, you know. <laughs> you know, jiggle the handle when you leave the bathroom. It's a warning, you know, it's like all that kind of stuff. So we start the book that way. And so um, I noted in the book that I have to read the Psalms as a Christian in a different way than I would if I was Jewish. I have to read it in a different way than I would if I was Muslim. I have to read it in a different way than if I had no religious affiliation at all. Because um, as Christians, you know, we believe that Christ um, shows us who God is. You know, we believe that Jesus is God. We believe that God is like Jesus, <laughs> you know. And he's always been that way. But we haven't always known that. But now we do, you know. And, and so when I read the Psalms, um, I come at it from the perspective of thinking, wow, this is the exact same book that Jesus prayed. You know, when you really think about this, this is the book that Jesus, uh, when he went to temple, when he went to synagogue, um, these were the scriptures that the community sung together. These were the songs uh, that they prayed. And it's, it's no coincidence, you know, that Jesus... When he's on the cross, we have him quoting the psalm. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You know, which I believe that's, is that Psalm 22, I think? Uh, I'm really bad with numbers. That's why I have to write things down. Thus, I wrote a book, so I don't have to remember. I can just put it on there. Um, but it's, it's really fascinating. When I look at Psalm 1, you start having all these blessings, you know, and it almost starts sounding like the Beatitudes. Like when Jesus starts talking about, Blessed are the poor, blessed are the meek, blessed are you when this happens. So I talk about it in the book. I start looking at the Psalms from the perspective of a Christian. We believe that Jesus interprets and reinterprets the entire Bible, that even places where we may have gotten it wrong before, even places in Scripture where um, maybe we read it wrongly before, maybe we had a different idea, Jesus comes along and he shows us all these new things. And we start reading about the things that we're told are, you know, blessed are you if you stay on the righteous path and different things. We start thinking about, uh, well, what did Jesus say a blessing was? 
You know, what's it mean to be blessed in Jesus' sight? Wow, you're blessed if you're poor. Wow, you're blessed if you, uh, you know, if, if you start doing things like turning the other cheek and you're, you're, you're blessed when you're persecuted. And it's not the same way of blessings that we always seem to look at things. Um, so we have to look at it from, from God's perspective, from God's eyes. The one that we just sang, Psalm number 8, I find fascinating because, um, partially because I'm a new dad. My, my son just turned one in January. He was, yeah, he was the New Year's baby when he was born for our county. He, he technically was born on the second. He came, you know, just a little late, but he was still the first one that was born in the county. So uh, every year he's our little New Year's baby. Um, but Psalm 8, you know, starts talking about... Uh, the songs of infants and children, the cries of infants and children, and how they thwart the enemy. And, uh, <laughs> and I thought, oh, I understand that now, because, gosh, when he cries, it's bad sometimes. You know? <laughs> um, but, but the idea that I think the psalmist was trying to go for was this idea that um, when babies cry out, they're crying out because they have a need, and they're, they're crying out because they need something. They're crying out because they're dependent on somebody to come and change them. They're dependent on somebody to come pick them up and give them food. And I, I always kind of, um, you know, teased my wife. I said, you know, until my son got where he could crawl, uh, it's like, you know, for all purposes, he's paralyzed. He's just laying around, you know. He, he depends on somebody else to take care of him. And I came to Psalm 8, being a new father when writing this book, looking at it a lot differently, too. When I, when I heard things like the infants are cries, their cries defeat the enemies. And I thought of it in two different ways. I did think, wow, this cry is defeating me. But at the same time, that cry teaches me about how I'm supposed to approach the Father. It teaches me about how I think Jesus approached the Father. You know, um, Jesus, as it shows us in Scripture, you know, the scripture tells us he didn't consider equality with God as something to be grasped. Um, and he was constantly going to his quiet places and he was constantly going to be with his father, uh, crying out to his father in need. And so you start looking at it from that perspective. Again, putting a Christ perspective on the Psalms, it just makes so much of a difference whenever you're reading them, whenever you're praying them and saying them together. Um, Psalm 42, I'm just going to by the way, just go quickly through like the sections that I wrote about in this book. Um, you guys still hanging with me? Everybody's awake? All that good stuff? Okay. I don't have to have you do calisthenics. Good. Um, Psalm 42, I will still praise him. Um, I talked about it a little bit this morning, even played a little bit of it for the class. Um, but Psalm 42 is the one where we get that uh, song, as the deer panteth for the water. Um, I really like that song and I like that tune a lot, but as I was explaining to the class this morning, that beautiful little lullaby-ish tune could not be further from the content of the psalm. <laughs> because the psalm is, it's actually not just a pretty little, you know, oh, is the deer pants for water, may I have another sip, you know? It's, it's, it's literally a person imagine them in the desert for days on end without water and they are desperately crying out you know and uh and and um so dry that if if they don't get a drink soon they know they'll die you know it's that desperate it's, it's that concerned so saying as a deer 
pants as a deer thirsts for water so my soul thirsts after you the living God and it's a unique perspective on on a psalm writing because as I was reading it and, and studying some commentaries and things um, a lot of commentators believe that whoever wrote that they were writing from the perspective uh, that they had maybe been kidnapped and exiled and, and taken away from their land because there's a lot of talk in there about people you know where's your God now you know, and where, uh, why isn't he here to save you? It's foolish to worship him, whatever you're doing. And, and he keeps having this come back. Why are you downcast, O oh my soul? Why so disturbed inside? Put your trust in the Lord. Uh, I, you know, I will still praise him. And it, it's kind of funny that he asks that question, why are you downcast, O oh my soul? Because he's already told us why it's downcast, <laughs> you know. He's, he's in a bad place. He's in a bad spot. Um, but in Psalm 42, we get some of the reason why I called this album that goes along with this basement psalms. Um, it has it has two meanings. One is very simple, that I wrote most of these songs in my basement and crafted them down there, so that's one reason they're called basement psalms. Um, but the other reason being that I wanted a metaphor to explain what it means when we're in the deepest depths, where we need to cry out. You know, and I thought, well, a basement's about as low as you can go in a house. So, uh, about sixty percent of the psalms, I think they are, are these like crying out to God songs like that. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Where are you, Lord? Um, as the deer pants for water, so my soul thirsts for you. So the psalms give our people, give us a place to come when we are in deep grief and deep, deep distress. And so that's the beauty of a psalm like Psalm forty-two that comes as the deer pants for water, you know, as the deep calls to deep, as the waves cover over me, I will still sing your song, you know, and it gives this beautiful way of uh, helping us worship when we don't feel like worshiping and when we don't have the words to worship because we're in such pain, you know, it takes us there from Psalm 42. Um, so do you, do you want to hear any of that one at all? I played it some for the group this morning. I probably won't do the whole song just for sake of time. But this is sort of my take on it. It's, it's again, not so much a congregational one, but it's, it's more of a kind of a prayer written out that. As a deer pants for water, so my soul thirsts for you. Stop falling in the daytime or the night. People say, Where is your God? I used to go to the house of the Lord with shouts of joy and praise. Those were the days. The start of that one. Thank you. Um, oh, thanks. Uh, golf claps. I appreciate it. No, that's good. Uh, so Psalm 42 is is one of my favorites. Now Psalm 51 
this is one I had to do because I found it so incredibly fascinating. Um, it's the one that we attribute to David when he was caught in his sin with Bathsheba. If you remember from the story, the prophet Nathan comes to David and, and um, you know, he tells him this long story about this man that had a sheep that he loved and it was the only possession that he had. And, uh, and then this rich man who had tons of sheep came along and he had guests coming, so he went and stole the poor man's sheep that, and, uh, that, that he treated like a, a child almost. He was, was so fond of it. And uh, he takes the sheep back and he kills the other man's sheep instead of taking one of his own many. And it makes David so mad, you know. He says, whoever's done this, it's going to happen to him ten times more. And Nathan confronts him and says... You're the man, David. You did this, you know. And so Psalm 51 is David being caught in this deep sin. But did you realize this wasn't the first wife that David stole in Scripture? Um, it's kind of interesting because he was married to um, someone else. For, and I always want to call her Michelle because it's spelled Michael, but I have a weird time calling a girl Michael. But um, it, it's Michal, Michal, Michal. Let's call her Michal, okay? Um, there was sort of this arranged marriage between Saul and David, which, if you read it, it's kind of hard to tell if the marriage ever really took or not. It sort of was like, like he had a wife or he didn't, and then David went on the run and Saul was chasing him. And then, um, basically for political gain later on in Scripture, uh, she had already been married off, given to somebody else. And, uh, and David just goes in, conquers, and takes her back with her husband walking behind it, it's this really sad picture, like the, uh, her husband is just weeping, please don't take my wife, please, and just crying, and David's like, get out of here, you know, I don't care, and it's interesting, she's, she's the one that, um, when David is dancing undignified before the Lord, she's the one that calls David on that, and, uh, and I find it interesting because in scripture, um, we aren't really told if David was right or wrong to dance that way, you know, it's almost like, it's almost like Michelle is saying to him, aren't you a king? Why are you acting this way? And David is, he could either be saying, I'm righteous before God, or he could just be kind of indignant, getting too big for his britches, you know? Like, I'll do this and whatever more I want, woman, you know? And, and then the scripture says she dies childless, but it's weird because other places it said she had three kids. But, you know, it's, it's kind of one of those things in scripture. All that is to say, I think David had, I think there's enough reason for us in scripture to show that David had a slow downfall. You know, that, that it wasn't just one instance of pride. It was, it was several things that, that took place. And in that Psalm 51, we have every word for sin that the Hebrews have for sin. If you, were, if you actually could read Hebrew, um, you could go through and find that every definition of sin is there. Um, I don't know if I can find it real quick in the book because I, I dare not try to uh, pronounce it myself uh, without, uh, from memory. Maybe I can find it real quick, but there's a couple I wanted to share just real fast because I find them so fascinating. Um, I found the chapter. Let's see if I can find the words. Okay. Um, whoever wrote this book wrote too much. I can't find the page I'm looking for. So. Um, oh, okay. Here we go. Uh, okay. Um, For those of you listening on the podcast, this is great listening when, for me flipping through pages, I know too. Okay, um, David asked for God to, plot, to blot out his Pesah in Hebrew, blot out my transgressions. 
Um, so the, the three words in Hebrew for sin are Pesah, Avon, and Hata. And so Pesah means deliberate sin. It's, it's premeditated. This is just where, like, I knew it was wrong totally. I didn't care. I did it anyway. Just completely defiant. That's what that kind of sin is. And so David is asking, you know, God to blot out his transgressions in that passage. Um, he asked God to cleanse him from his Avon, uh, which means iniquity to wash him thoroughly from his iniquity. Um, it means dirty, twisted, or perverse sin. Um, we, we would have a hard time understanding this, but it also carries with it the thought that the pun of the punishment that goes along with the sin. Uh, it was kind of associated with, um, this was the kind of sin that was bad, it was dirty, and it had a consequence just because of the nature of what it was. You know, it's almost like, um, this is probably a terrible illustration, but if you were going to say like, um, uh, the consequence of the sin of, like, say, smoking is you're going to have cancer. It's it's wrapped up in that. It's like God doesn't have to punish you for that because the sin is the punishment itself, you know, um, if, if you do too much or whatever. So that's sort of that definition. And then third, David acknowledges his hata sin. And this is the sin that's just when you miss the mark. Um, you, you start out and maybe you just weren't thinking. You had a lapse of judgment. Almost before you knew it, you find yourself in a, a bad spot. and So it's interesting to me that, that David uses all these words because he is so desperate to be cleansed of this sin. He, he is feeling so dirty. He will do anything. And I also, I, it's, it's almost humor. It is kind of humorous, actually. He talks about in that passage, purge me with hyssop, Lord. And it's kind of funny because that's not, you know, try to work that into a worship song today. You know, it's hard to find, it's, it's hard to find much that rhymes with hyssop, you know. And, and the interesting thing about hyssop, uh, another reason I wanted to write the book because I couldn't fit that into a song lyric. Um, I wanted to, to tell people, I found out that it's not only used as sort of a soap and a ceremonial, ceremonially to wash you clean, but it was also ingested as a laxative. <laughs> which I mean, but, so literally, I mean, you see the humor in this. David is saying, inside, outside, upside, downside, you know, everything. Clean me out, God, you know, here and there. So it just adds so much depth to what he is asking about all of that. So that's Psalm 51. I do have a song on there. I think I'm just going to move on for sake of time, but that's one that I find very fascinating. Uh, Psalm 73 Whom have I in heaven but you? Um, I think every pastor can relate to Psalm 73. Um, if you've ever felt like, Lord, why are all the wicked people prospering and I'm doing all the right stuff and nothing's good is happening for me? <laughs> you know, you guys know it's that kind of psalm. And so uh, um, I think I'm going to, I think I'm just going to play this one for you. And uh, if you want to sing along, the chorus just says, Whom have I in heaven but you? There's nothing on the earth I desire more. And it's about a guy that uh, the psalmist talks about nearly falling away because he was looking at how the wicked are prospering but then you know he comes to this conclusion that the nearness of the Lord is his good and he ends up back in the temple in the house of the God to, the house of his God to pray and uh, so this is this is how how this one goes um, Hearts are never come. 
Their bodies are sound, their pockets are full. They scoff at the righteous ones. They say you don't know, they say you can't see. But where else can I go? Ooh, I am heaven but you. There's nothing on the earth I desire. the sake of time. Well, what time are we done in here? Because I want to make sure I don't go too far. But is it? All right. Okay. Well, we'll just keep going then. Um, <laughs> uh, just a few more minutes here. I promise I won't keep you forever. Um, okay. Cool. Um, well, that was Psalm 73. And then there's one of my favorites. Um, one, one of my favorites that I'm not going to go into the song right now, but um, it's just your love will be my song. It just goes in and tells all these. Uh, it's a it's a royal psalm. It's a kingly psalm. It's you know, an interesting one because um, a lot of songs were written for the king, you know, and this was possibly the king's inauguration day that they're writing about. So often when we hear the word king, we're thinking God, but they're thinking the actual king, you know, and it's there. And so it was kind of fun to write that song because it is a praise song as the king is being enthroned. So I wrote that. That's one of the more congregational ones that I had. Um, there's another one uh, right after that, Psalm um, 95, Come Let Us Sing Unto the Lord. And that's one of those great ones. You know, it's another congregational, uh, Come Let Us Bow Down and Pray. Come Let Us Kneel Before God Our Maker. Um, he is the shepherd. We are the sheep of his hand. You know, we are his flock. 
And uh, come let us sing unto the Lord. Come let us make a joyful sound. Let's sing unto the rock of our salvation. So a lot of these are just, you know, you can just hear the way that they're calling the body to worship together and the people of God to worship together. And so it's really, um, it's a very um, depthful type of worship too. It's not... Um, the Psalms aren't praise choruses, let's put it that way. They aren't just a short thing. They, they really take their time, and uh, it's beneficial to go through them slowly, you know, as you make your way in. And then Psalm 95, or Psalm 105, rather, um, I titled the song that goes with that, Give Thanks to the Lord. That's another one that, uh, if you get a chance to hear the album, you can uh, get the music for free on my website. Uh, but that's a neat one, too, because Psalm uh, 105 tells the story of Israel out up to that point. And if you read it, if you want a real quick history of Israel, that's a good one to go to. And it's it's fun to see that in sort of psalm form. Psalm form, not psalm. Um, it's fun to read it in the psalms because if you wanted to show somebody real quick and tell them the story of Israel... Just say, go to Psalm 105 and read that. You know, talks about him being the cloud in the day and the fire by night and leading them and him being their righteousness and him being their cleansing when they had sin um, and just all the different things that God had done for them throughout. Um, so give thanks to the Lord. I'll, I'll just do a chorus of that one so you can hear because these are the words straight from the Psalm 105. It goes, uh, give thanks to the Lord. Call on his name. Make known his deeds among the people. Sing out his praise. Glorify his name. Tell of all his marvelous words. Give thanks to the Lord. Call on his name. Make known his deeds among the people. Sing out his praise. Glorify his Grace when we lose the fight to sin. He's the restoration that is calling us back in. He is our salvation when there's nothing left to save. He's our hallelujah, giving us the words to praise. Come on, give thanks to the Lord. So then it kind of goes on from there and all that. So. Uh, without taking too much time, that was actually the second verse I threw in with all of that. But um, we move on to one of my favorites. I wanted to make sure we had time to do this one if there was time for no other one. This is the song, um, More Than the Watchman Waits for the Morning. So was my soul wait for you. You guys are probably familiar with that phrase. Psalm 130 is, um, it's a penitential psalm. It's sort of a lament. Um, it's one that, to me, it denotes this old saying that I used to hear a lot growing up, and I think it's unfortunate I don't hear it quite as much as I used to, and I don't mean it to be like, a, boy, back in the good old days we said this. Um, th this really is something that I think we need to hang on to and make sure we don't let slip through, and maybe there's a better way of saying it now, but you guys know the phrase, um, we used to talk about we stayed and prayed until we prayed through, you know what I mean? And... It was this idea of we didn't care if the Baptist beat us to the steakhouse on Sunday, you know, after church was over. Um, we would stay at the altar if it needed that. Um, but Psalm 130 has this desperate cry. And it's interesting to me, 
while probably one person wrote this, this was a song meant for the community together. I mean, these psalms are all intended for the community together. And it has this connotation of that sort of desperateness of, I am so desperate to break through. Lord, I'm not going to eat. I'm not going to sleep. Um, I, I'm, I'm not even going to talk. I'm just going to sit here and wait. More than the watchman waits for the morning, so does my soul wait here for you, Lord. And, uh, and literally, it's, it's where the title of the book came from, Out of the Depths. Um, out of the Depths, Lord, hear my cries, how the psalm takes up. So um, I, I do want to share this song with you and, and, uh, because it just means so much to me. And I, I think it's something that, um, it's a psalm that we maybe as a congregation, again, another one, free sheet music online, if you like this one and want to try it with your people. I just, I feel like there's just such a need for us to wait before the Lord this way. So, this is called More Than the Watchman, Psalm 130. Wait all night 
we are just about at the end of our time today. Um, I'll tell you what I'll do is um, I'll stop recording on the podcast now. Thank you, podcast listeners, for listening. Um, and when I get done with that, I'm just going to play on the video screen the last song, Psalm 105, okay? Psalm 105 is great because it's sort of like the end of the service, you know, and everybody's being called together. Every living creature, everything that has breath, every instrument, you know, let the drums, let the lyre, let the harp, let everybody come in and play. And I added in guitar, too, because I don't, I don't play a lyre or a lute or whatever. So, uh, anyway. But, hey, thank you guys for coming and being a part. If you're interested in knowing more about the book or any of my music or anything like that, I'm more than happy to talk to you. I'll be here for a little bit longer before I head off to my next destination where I'm playing tomorrow. So, but thanks so much. I hope you guys had a great team day today. You've been listening to Voices in My Head, the official podcast of Rick Lee James. If you'd like to know more about me, my ministry, my music, my life, go to my website at rickleejames.com. And I'd love this to be a community experience. So if you call 937-505-0162, you can leave feedback, you can give me suggestions for future shows, you can even record comments that I can play on the next podcast. So let's make this something really great together. 937-505-0162. Thank you so much for listening to Voices in My Head, the official Rick Lee James podcast. God bless.